Hi, stagey loves! We just want to mention a trigger warning ahead of our episode to warn you that the show we discussed today has themes of abuse. Listener discretion is advised. Five, six, seven, eight! Hey, Jocelyn! What's the special pie today? I heard it was I Love Waitress (gasps) Pie. That's my favorite kind of pie. (laughs) We're about to serve up a slice of show history all about Waitress the Musical. So grab a fork and let's dig in. Waitress follows the story of Jenna Hunterson, a waitress and pie maker who finds herself unexpectedly pregnant while stuck in an unhappy marriage. When a pie-baking contest comes to a nearby town, she realizes that she now has a chance to build a better life for herself and her unborn child. Waitress is based on the 2007 film of the same title. It starred actress Carrie Russell and was written and directed by Adrian Shelley. Following the 2013 Tony Awards, producers Barry and Fran Weisler announced that a musical version of the film was in the works. On December 11th, 2014, the musical was officially confirmed and it was announced that the show would receive its world premiere at the American Repertory Theatre in Cambridge, Massachusetts as part of their 2015-2016 season, with Jesse Nelson now writing the book in place of Diane Paulus. Waitress has an all-female production team with Diane Paulus as director, Sarah Brillis as music writer and lyricist, Jesse Nelson as book adapter, and Lauren Lattero as choreographer. The Clinton Foundation even honored the show's all-female team by launching the hashtag Ceiling Breaker campaign and gave out free tickets. The show began previews at the American Repertory Theater on August 2nd, 2015, before the official opening on August 19th, 2015, for a limited run to September 27th, 2015. Tickets for the production sold out. The cast featured Jesse Mueller as Jenna, Drew Geeling as Jim, Joe Trippett as Earl, Gina DeWall as Dawn, Keela Settle as Becky, Dakin Matthews as Joe, Jeremy Morse as Ogie, and Eric Anderson as Cal. Broadway previews began on March 25th, 2016 at the Brooks Atkinson Theater with the official opening on April 24th. For the Broadway production, elements of the book were rewritten, new choreography developed, and a new song written by Sarah Bareilles. To immerse audiences, real pies are warmed as they enter the theater, creating the aroma of a real pie shop. Slices of pie are also for sale. Cast changes included Nick Cordero taking over the role of Earl, Kamiko Glenn as Don, and Christopher Fitzgerald, who took part in the New York workshop as Ogie. During previews, the production set a new box office record for a single performance at the Brooks Atkinson Theater, taking in $145,532. The production officially closed on January 5th, 2020, after 33 previews and 1,544 regular performances. The show has since gone on to have great success on the West End, touring productions in Argentina and most recently Japan. So that was a little brief bit about Waitress the Musical. How about we dig into some show facts now? Yes! Order up! (laughs) (laughs) Always. Well, here we go. In order to create an authentic atmosphere for Waitress, the theater is filled with the aroma of freshly baked pies that continue to bake throughout the duration of the show. Waitress pies are high in cinnamon and nutmeg content, which helps to intensify the scent, and they are baked in a convection oven, which is located just outside the theater's orchestra seating. Unfortunately, these pies are not for eating. However, you can purchase a pie during the show to enjoy while you watch the performance. They range from salted caramel to apple and plenty in between. Sadly, Marshmallow Mermaid is not on the menu. The many pies featured on the menu board in Joe's Diner include Lulu's Strawberry Dream Pie, Red, White, and Blueberry Pie, Couch Potato Pie, Lost Shepherd's Pie, 
Big guy strawberry pie. Deep shit dish. Blueberry pie. Bury the bullshit pie. Marshmallow mermaid pie. Pineapple upside down pie. A little wild wild berry pie. Got my vote rhubarb compote pie. Sweet victory pie and polka dot peach pie. Delicious. (laughs) (laughs) So Chrissy, why don't we chat a little bit about our own experiences with Waitress? Would you like to go first? Sure, I'd love to. Okay. (laughs) Well, I first fell in love with the movie when it was first released in 2007. My cousin and I got copies of the DVD for Christmas, and I'm honestly still not sure how our mothers even heard about it, because it really wasn't popular in the sense that it premiered at the Sundance Festival and only had, like, a very limited run in U.S. cinemas. Then it went straight to DVD. So yeah, I'm really not sure how they discovered it, but I'm so grateful to have received the film as a gift because that's what it has become in my life. A gift. (laughs) So as soon as there was an announcement that a musical version of Waitress was in the works, I knew that it would be the perfect film to adapt into a screen production because there's such a kitschy, slightly campy feel to the film, and I just knew that it would translate perfectly on stage, and it totally did. Without getting into too much detail, I was in the midst of getting out of a relationship with a narcissist that mentally and physically drained me when Sarah Bareilles released She Used to Be Mine for the very first time. Uh, In fact, it was the night that my ex and I ended things, and I remember this so clearly because I listened to that song that night over and over again, and it just so... It was so healing, and it captured what I was feeling perfectly... And so a year after ending things with that relationship for the very last time, I went to see Waitress on Broadway as a little celebration for my own self-healing, and I cried through the entire show because it really is so healing, and it's the first time that I really got to see glimpses of myself on stage through Jenna, and especially so with her relationship with Earl, which I really wasn't expecting when booking a ticket to see the show. Uh, Of course, I knew the abusive relationship aspect of the plotline, but um, what I think Waitress did really well was capture a toxic, mentally abusive relationship without completely exploiting it. And as an audience member, it felt very real because of that. Earl sees Jenna as a possession, something that belongs to him, and that is not what humans are to another human. You know, we watch their relationship unfold throughout the show, and we see Jenna giving him her money that she earned, and we watch as he insults her, manipulates. I'd I'd say that Earl is for sure a narcissist purely based on what I've seen within the show. The other relationship in the show is between Jenna and Dr. Palmiter, and this is a spoiler for those who haven't seen the show, so (laughs) cover your ears if need be, but... Something I really appreciate in Waitress is that Jenna doesn't end up with Dr. Palmiter. I don't know about all of you, but I feel the show is really structured in a way to encourage us to cheer on Jenna and not so much Dr. Palmiter and Jenna ending up together. That's not to say that people can't, you know, need or feel the desire to be with another person romantically, but I think it works so well with the story to show that Jenna is a whole person And she, even though there's been a hole in her life for a while, she can stand on her own 
She doesn't need a romantic partner. And we really get to see that with the ending of the show, where it's now Jenna and her sweet baby girl, Lulu, of course, with the loving support of her friends as well. The story itself, it's just really well-rounded and it isn't one that you feel the need to fill in any gaps yourself. I love it. I love it. <laughs> well, I love it too. Um, <laughs> I knew like embarrassingly little about Waitress up until I saw it. Um, I really liked the cast album um, and I kind of was on the fence because I knew I knew it was going to be sad because when I heard she used to be mine for the first time, I like bawled. So it was kind of a moment of, this is going to be a sad musical. I don't know if I want to see it, but if I am going to see it, like I want to go in as fresh as I possibly can because this is something really special. Also, all female creative team, I was like, I got to get in there. I got to get in the room where that happens. A little Hamilton reference for you guys. (laughs) Yeah, and I finally got to see the show in 2019. I finally got to see the show in summer 2019 when it finally came to Toronto and I ended up going twice. I fell in love with it. I've never been so instantly just touched by a musical. It's just, it's a really, really special show in the sense that um, it kind of feels Mm -hmm. like a hug. And I know that that sounds kind of dumb, but you're sitting and you're watching this woman go through this journey with herself and for herself and the support of her friends and as much as it's a lot to process because it does have that heavier subject matter it's perfectly balanced with the comedy like it's such a funny show I did not expect to laugh that hard uh or cry that hard waitress is kind of like a pie you know you have the inside and it's a deep dish so you have the inside and the filling that's all emotional and stuff and then you have this beautiful thick fluffy light crust all around it and together they're perfect (laughs) um that being said if you do want pie at waitress make sure that you go early because the first time I went they were sold out already so like get there early if you want to buy pie and buy the pie. And make sure you bring at least like $20 because those little things are so expensive. <laughs> they actually weren't bad. They're were like they're like 8 bucks here. Oh gosh. Well, in New York City, I think it was around I think it was $12 exactly for the tiny mason jar baby food style container yeah, so of cute. pie, which was delicious and I totally did not mind spending that because I wanted it so bad. It it adds to the whole experience, but gosh, that was expensive for a tiny pie. Speaking of pie, remember like those $5 pies we got at that apple orchard by your house? Mm. And they were like $12 and they were these beautiful mini pies. Mm -hmm. We have a photo. We should put it in the scroll thing for this episode because it's the waitress photo Mm because it's got pie in it. (laughs) But that's the most delicious pie I've ever tasted. Coming back to my experience with waitress. Yeah, it's kind of like that quote in the show where Jenna's like, Dear baby, I hope one day you'll find someone who holds you for 20 minutes straight. You walk out of the show, and even though you felt all of the feels, you feel like you've been lovingly supported through them. And I think that's just such smart writing. Mm -hmm. uh, Because it's easy when you have a show that talks about an abusive relationship 
and everything that entails and presents it in such a realistic way. Um, it's hard to find the light mm-hmm. in that. And they do such a good job with the wonderful supporting cast. Um, and even Jenna herself in the sense that I know when I've gone through certain things in my life, sometimes all you can do is laugh or make a joke because that's <laughs> that's all you can do in that in that moment. Uh, I am going to, before I share my profound waitress story, I want to touch on what you said about Dr. Palmatter because I completely agree. And I love how their relationship is structured. It kind of, it when I was watching it, it never felt like super romantic to me. It was kind of like, friends with benefits in the sense that like they were like I see you I care about you I want you to be happy and succeed Mm -hmm. but while you're here let's fuck yeah (laughs) sorry you're gonna have to bleep that out you know what you said Um, it it can stay but yeah it's just and I think that's something that can be normalized I mean I know we're theater people we want those big romances with the sweeping orchestra and somebody's running in a ball gown and he picks her up or whatever we want those romantic stories because theater people are romantics (laughs) but I found it was so refreshing and that you matter to me song is one of my favorite like theater love songs because it doesn't have to be all that sometimes people aren't looking for all that and Jenna and Dr. Palmatter he just happens to be what she needs in her life at that moment even though it's totally weird that he's her gynecologist right right um so i love the show that's my one complaint actually about waitress it's super weird that he's her gynecologist yeah but you know what we support jenna getting what she needs emotionally (laughs) and physically so you go girl um you know i will also just say like it breaks my heart for his wife as well because I think we see at the end, like, she's a really sweet person because she's also the nurse there or the doctor or something at the hospital. I don't quite remember, but it makes me sad for her. Yeah. She doesn't deserve that. She's a good person, I think. He's a married gynecologist. <laughs> That's so bad. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> I think that also plays a factor in the ending of why Jenna chooses not to be with him either. She doesn't want to put the other woman in that pain. But, like, that's what I love about the end of the show. She doesn't give him a reason or anything. She's just like, yeah, this isn't going to happen. And I love that writing because as theater audiences, we're conditioned to be like, where's the next love story? And there wasn't one. The next love story is Jenna and herself, Jenna and Mm -hmm. her baby, Jenna and her friends, and Jenna and her small business. Like, those are, that's just, that's such a better ending than like, oh, Jenna gave birth to her baby and married her gynecologist. Yeah, and I mean, Waitress is a love story. It's not a romantic one, but you know, it's a, it's still a love yeah, story it's between a love story. these three best friends, Jenna and her daughter, her bond with old Joe. It's a love story. I love Jenna and Old Joe, and I especially love that the plot really centers on, what it really centers on is Jenna, Becky, and Dawn. Mm -hmm. It's a girl and her friends, and her friends who are helping her through that. And that's another thing that the show does so brilliantly in showcasing those female friendships Mm -hmm. and, you know, supporting someone who's in a relationship that is doing them more harm than good and how you can best 
be there for that human um, and support them and let them know that they are loved and that, you know, whatever they choose, you're there. I love, you know, at the end, they're doing the closing number. She's got her diner, spoiler alert, and she's there with her baby and her best buds. And I think that that's so beautiful. And it really speaks to chosen chosen family, as well as um, not needing the romance part. It's just, it's such a good show. It's so well written. If you haven't seen it, well, theaters are closed, but you're going to have to at some point. <laughs> um, uh, it's just, it's really beautiful. I do have to tell my waitress story before I wrap up here, but I do have to say, I do have to tell this, even though it's a little bit long, just because it is such a testament to the power of theater and to why Waitress is one of the most well-written, beautiful pieces of theater in the whole wide world. So I was sitting at Intermission in Toronto at the beautiful Ed Mervish Theater, and you know, your matinee crowd, it's mostly women, like most Mervish audiences, you know, they're women older than myself, in the next couple generations up. Anyway, so intermission happens, and I always like listening to what people say at intermission. It kind of makes me sound nosy or a little creepy, but I'm always curious, like, are they loving the show as much as I do? Like, what was their favorite part? Sometimes I even talk to people in the bathroom line, because why not? Why not? Just you wait. Once we're back in a theater after a year of isolation, I will be talking to everybody in the bathroom line. Hi, friends. But I like to listen. And the craziest thing about Waitress is that at intermission of that show, both times I went, it was the everybody was having the exact same conversation. Women were talking to each other about their experiences with abuse. They were talking about relationships that they had been in. They were talking about friends who were in a similar situation uh, that Jenna is in. They were talking about times where they themselves had um, been the victim of male violence in whatever, uh, whatever that may be, be it verbal, physical, and it was really powerful because especially when you see women who are in that couple generations older, that isn't something that they often openly speak about. And it was crazy to me that usually you go see a musical, sometimes people aren't even talking about the show at all at intermission, which is fair, but it was unanimous within the theater that this was the conversation we needed to have today and I thought okay maybe I'm here on like a good day maybe this is just the day I happen to be here I went back and it was the exact same thing and I think that is that's what theater is meant to do I mean you have theater for escapism which don't get me wrong it's one of my favorite kinds of theater but this piece takes a universal real-world issue and makes you all stare at it. it. makes you look at it pretty hard. And it prompted everybody in that audience that day to have a conversation about domestic violence and abuse. And damn, isn't that what we want theater to do? We want it to inspire these tough conversations. We want it to leave society a little bit better 
than it felt it. It leaves you, the audience member, a little bit better than it found you. And yeah, that is something that is going to stick with me forever. And I get chills every single time I think about it to this day. Yeah. And just to add on that a little bit, I think what's so great is that this show opened that conversation for audience members and family members, friends who might obviously have gone through this themselves or know someone who did. And a lot of the time, there's a lot of shame from family members or friends who have not experienced this themselves or don't understand it or think, hey, you can just leave. It's really not that easy. And I think we see that so much through those scenes with Jenna and Earl in their house. You know, you see how Earl can sometimes switch on a dime and get on his knees and act like a child and be like begging Jenna to be with him and stay with him and and wanting her comfort. And it's hard to leave that as a person who, I don't know if Jenna has it, but I know people with codependency like myself, it's hard to leave that, that person in that state. And I think it was smart to add that into the show as well. It's something you don't see a lot in film and television and most definitely not a lot on stage. We know that. So yeah, I thought, I just wanted to add that. Yeah, that's what I I love about, honestly, the writing in Waitress is brilliant across the board, but I really did like Mm -hmm. how they wrote Earl and how they wrote Earl and Jenna's relationship because it was realistic without being too difficult to watch. Like it was difficult. You're going to feel uncomfortable when you go see Waitress. Uh, that's the point, uh, but it didn't make me feel yeah. horribly uncomfortable, but uncomfortable enough. Mm-hmm. They ha- they kind of found that line quite brilliantly, uh, I think, with well, with everything in, in their show. I mean, this is a, kind of on a lighter note, but they did a whole, like, um, montage of the physical affair between Jenna and Dr. Pomatter yeah. using <laughs> different types of pie. Like... Like, just, there. it's very clever. It's very clever. And it honestly kind of is one of the shows that, like, I saw and it kind of skyrocketed to number one on, like, my favorite musical list. Yeah. Usually people have to, usually musicals have to work a little bit harder. <laughs> it's an established list. The waitress said, hold my pie. I got this. <laughs> well, what's so funny about this, and, and Jocelyn and I really are, we are so like-minded and we have a lot of the same interest, but we do also have a very different taste in musical theater while still having <laughs> a lot of the same ones. But this particular one, she didn't have an interest in seeing like whatsoever. I don't even think she really listened to the cast recording at the time because I was like, you have to listen to it. You have to see it. It's so great. I think you'll love it. And... um. Yeah. No, I told you I loved the album. I just didn't want to go because it would be sad. Okay, fair. That's totally fair. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I think you're really going to like it. It's quite uplifting. I know it's uplifting for me and and we're pretty much the same person. So I think you will enjoy it too. (laughs) And you did. So I'm like so glad. Yeah. And then I was like obsessed and I went back twice and then I tried to go back a third time because... Lulu Lloyd, who I've talked about before Mm. on the podcast, who is this exceptional lady and beautiful and kind and uber talented. She was on the tour. Yeah, gem of a human. She was on the tour. So obviously I went and I had to catch up with Lulu. 
And the second time I went, she was like, I was like, I'm so sad that I miss you being Jenna because that would have been like, that's like my dream show in this moment. I want to see Lulu Lloyd as Jenna. That would probably kill me. (laughs) And she said, oh, thank you. Like, we appreciate your support. And she said, you know, I think that was my last Jenna show because, you know, we're closing in like a week, which is like fair enough. And she said it was a great one, and I was so happy for her. I was like, fabulous. Flash forward to, like, literally a couple days later, that, like, weekend, she's like, oh, I'm going on for Jenna. Because <laughs> we actually, at the time we had a group chat with Lulu Lloyd, there was a bunch of us and her, and at the time she was doing, like, a lot of shows in Toronto, a lot of the tours that she joined post Bad Out of Hell cancellation tour, like School of Rock, and waitress ended up going to Toronto so we were like oh my god have to see her yeah she was in Toronto like three times over a period of six months and I was like this is amazing (laughs) (laughs) but yeah anyways we were in the group chat and she's like hey if any of you are in the area tonight I'm going on as Jenna and I was like oh my god I'm not in the area but I gotta tell Jocelyn right now to go because she wasn't answering her phone and I was freaking out it was devastating I like called my mom and my dad I had to go I would have had to go to the ghost station I was like okay like even if I hustle like at the latest I could make it I would be there for act two I was like I could do that do you think they'd let me in and then I couldn't get a ride to the ghost station or something I was like oh I'll call an uber anyway my parents talked me out of the totally ridiculous idea uh but I was like you don't understand her doing this role would be, like, it's the thing. Um, it's okay. You know, sometimes you miss those things. And the next time Lulu's in Toronto, I'll make sure to rent an Airbnb or something, just in case she yes. <laughs> goes on as Jenna and Waitress. Who did you see, by the way? I saw Christine Dwyer. I really oh, liked yes. her. I really enjoyed her. I saw her, actually, in Wicked the first time I went. And she has the most expressive eyeballs in the entire world. And, like, (laughs) I wear glasses. I can see five feet in front of me, and then it's really blurry. But no matter where you sit in a theater, when Christine Dwyer is performing, it's like she's literally staring into your soul. And (laughs) I don't know how she does it, but it's really, it's quite the talent. And I'm always so moved by her. And... I really, en- I really enjoyed what she did with Jenna. Um, Desi Oakley also did Jenna for a little while in Toronto. And right. if it hadn't been right after our big New York trip, I would have wanted to go and see her as well because that would have been really cool. Um, I just, I like seeing different people do the same role. It's, you learn so much yeah. and it's so interesting. And I think obviously you learn a lot and these people are amazingly cool and it's a fangirl thing for me but it's also like my actor side like geeks out Mm -hmm. it's like I want to see all the different people do this role and like analyze how they did it and how they did it differently because that's what's so cool about acting in theater no two people are going to do something exactly the same Mm -hmm. you know when it comes to a character they're all going to have a different approach and bring something slightly different and I didn't I just think it's brilliant I just think it's great. Yeah, that is. <laughs> I saw Betsy Wolf as Jenna. Okay, I'm so jealous. Listen, <laughs> I'm jealous of myself too. Honestly, she's I incredible. Freaking, she came to Toronto and did that orchestra thing. 
She sang with the Toronto Symphony Orchestra, and she sang She Used to Be Mine from Waitress. It's like on my top five moments of like full body goosebumps in my life. She's just, (laughs) she is a force of nature. I'm going to let you continue your list, but I just had to stop you to say that I really love Betsy Wolf. I love Betsy Wolf too. (laughs) And my mom and I, we actually, we went for Mother's Day weekend. That's so yeah, cute. Yeah, it's really cute, isn't it? I tried to take my mom. She was like, nah, that's too no. sad. <laughs> Next time, for sure. You have to bring her. But yeah, we went and during she used to be mine, my mom turns it over to me and she's like, she's really crying. And I'm like, I'm really crying too, mom. <laughs> We're all crying. Everyone's crying, mom. <laughs> that's the point. <laughs> that actually reminds me of, this is my last waitress story. And then, and then we have some listener questions. Okay. (laughs) But I remember at intermission, so I was just kind of like in shock of what I just witnessed all of Act One. And then halfway through intermission, I just, I turned to my mom with the most serious expression and I'm like, I just remembered what happens in the movie. And she's like, oh yeah, what happens? And I'm like, Joe dies. She's like, people around us might not know. And I'm like, I'm freaking out inside. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god I, I love joe when chrissy Just... spoiled a broadway musical for an audience of thousands for the entire audience i got up and i said it on the microphone right near all the pies i was like hey everyone guess what yeah you're like excuse me if i have an announcement <laughs> <laughs> anyways here's some listener questions and this is my favorite that we've ever received, okay? Are you ready? Yeah. Create a pie for yourselves. And I'm assuming that's in Jenna lingo, so go for it. I'm a disaster in the kitchen. I don't even know what... Actually, I do kind of know what you put in a pie. My dad makes pies sometimes. All I know for sure is that I'd have a shortbread Mm. crust because I'm I'm warm and... I don't want to say flaky. I'm I'm crumbly. I crumble under pressure. Oh, my God. Um, And I'd probably... You know what? I'd probably have some sort of fruit. Yeah. Um, I, feel I don't know. Like that's a hard question. Like, what even goes in pie? Jesus. I don't know, um, but I think you're like a pineapple. You're very bright. I'm a pine... I'm a pineapple. <laughs> pineapple. I feel like pineapple. Down pie. Oh, my God. <laughs> I feel no. like you'd have some, like... I, I don't want to say the word chunks, because I hate that word, but you would have chunks of pineapple in there. Chunky pineapple pie. Oh. Oh my god, no. I'd probably be like, yeah, like something sweet but a little sour. I'd be sweet and sour pie. Yeah. I'd be like a sour patch kid in pie form. (gasps) Oh my god, I love that. That would be so good. Yeah. Figure that out. Make it happen. I'm sour patch kid pie. I love it. (laughs) Sour patch kid pie. (gasps) What kind of pie are you? I don't. (laughs) Oh my god. Okay, so there would be a rice crispy treat bottom. Okay, that's the crust. Okay, that's smart. Yeah, for crispy. And then it's going to be filled with whipped cream. So it's a crispy oh, cream pie, but it's spelt with C. So like creme, because <laughs> French. <laughs> cream starts with... And also... No. Oh, wait. Yeah. Cream starts with the C, hon. Oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> you have to keep that in. You have... And you'd have to start with a C because I'm French. No. And the way I said it with an accent is you were so ready. Different. You were so... Oh my god. Okay, but 
It would be crispy also with the C. Jesus. <laughs> because people call me crispy because my phone, my name on like an iPhone autocorrects to crispy instead of crispy. It does. It's great. So it's a crispy cream pie. Thank you, America. You put a lot of thought into this. See, you know what? Always. This isn't a listener question, but this is a question I have to ask because it's related to the pie one. And I'm honestly surprised we didn't get this one. But if you could order a pie and waitress, which oh, one would you no. order? Like, what do you most want to try? Oh, my God. I mean, I have made Marshmallow Mermaid before for my Tony Awards party in 2016, was it? I don't remember. I think it was 2016 when Waitress was out. Anyways, besides the point, my friends. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think I would really enjoy deep dish blueberry bacon because I love the combination of bacon with anything sweet. I think that would be interesting. <laughs> Not a big fan of like warm berries in pies, but I would try it for this experiment. How about you? Okay. I have two choices. First is pineapple okay. upside down pie because it's literally a cake in a pie and it's pineapple flavored. Like those are all good things, guys. Those are all brilliant <laughs> things. Um, I'd also really like to try Pursuit of Happiness pie. It sounds so good and pretty. And, like, it's an apple pie, but it's with some other stuff in it. And I just, I think that's, like, the one I want to make in my kitchen and pretend that I have kitchen skills. I don't. But if I could bake, that's what I would make. I would make a Pursuit of Happiness pie. And they really forgot, they really missed an opportunity to make a pun. It could have been Pursuit of Happiness. Get it? Because happiness has the word pie in it. That took me a second as well. Wow. Yep. Or maybe it's not funny. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, what's your favorite song in Waitress? (gasps) Oh my god. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So my favorite song is probably I Love You Like a Table. I also thoroughly enjoy Everything Changes. And I love Take It From an Old Man because it makes me wish I had seen Al Roker in the show. I love me some Al Roker. He is like the coolest human. I watch him every morning. Hello, Today Show. Um, but yeah, I, I love Al Roker and I love Old Man Joe. Um, I also love, uh, what's that song? Never, ever, ever getting rid of me because... I love you means I'm never, ever, ever getting rid ever of me. Ever getting rid of me. <laughs> I sing that to my parents sometimes and they're like, oh shit. <laughs> I love the whole thing about how he named the cat Sardine because he thought it was funny to name it after a fish. That is like the best line in the whole that show. That is funny. I'm not gonna lie. Like, that's funny. I love it. <laughs> I love it. How about you? <laughs> um, All of them? Uh, no, I really yeah. like... Obviously, Jenna has some killer ballads, which much, must be acknowledged. But I really, really like what baking can do. Like, the structure of that song, musically. Like, even if you take away the lyrics, okay? Take away the lyrics. The way it's written, you know exactly where her mind is at. Like, from measure to measure. It is geniusly constructed and Sarah Bareilles did a brilliant job in constructing this because all of the songs in Waitress are like that you have like oh it's moving really quick so she's thinking this and she's thinking that oh 
She's having a moment where she's talking really slowly because she's realizing something. Just all of those things that sometimes are vocal nuances are right in the actual music. And I love it when it's there and it's so obvious and it's brilliant. It's like, oh, it's amazing. But yeah, what baking can do, it's it's a monster of a piece it, with all of the emotions, but it works because it was written so well. What else do I really like? <laughs> I really like the negative. <laughs> I think that that one's just, I thoroughly enjoy it. Yeah, Everything Changes might just be my favorite because it's so beautiful. And even though it's really specific in a lot of ways, it's also not. It's like, it's, you know, I think anybody who's had like a big positive change in their life can relate to that. And actually, this makes me think of something I was thinking about, She Used to Be Mine, which I forgot to say earlier, uh, because obviously that song is the show's anthem. But... It's a song that can be very specific, but also has kind of a universality to it. That like, it doesn't matter what walk of life you come from, even if you're not listening to like the legitimate, like lyric by lyric, even if maybe you don't relate to it, the song as a whole, you do. It's about missing the human that you used to be before something happened to you that changed you. And then everything changes is kind of like her counterpart, the counterpart, it's like part two when something good happens to you and changes you and you feel like you are getting to be like yourself. I don't know. I really like it. It's brilliant. Um, and they come right after each other in the show as well, which is like gorgeous. Yeah, and all of the little melodies that kind of go throughout the show. Yeah. It's just that kind of tie-in. It's very like Steven Swartz, Andrew Lloyd Webber, Steven Sondheim-esque that level of mastery and I'm like Sarah Bareilles (laughs) you didn't have to go that hard because you are Sarah Bareilles she could have just been like oh here's a musical but no she said let me give you a full gorgeous Broadway score and did not disappoint I'm always just so shook when I'm like oh yeah Sarah Bareilles wrote this because Sometimes when pop stars do musicals, you know, it can go either way, right? Um, Not to say that it's good or bad either way, but sometimes you can tell and sometimes you can't. And like she kept her Sarah Bareilles like vibe, but then she was like, she took it bigger to like that Broadway score, the sweeping emotions, what you expect, you know, when you go in and you sit in the theater and an overture starts, right? So anyway, Sarah Bareilles on the off chance you're listening a plus job on the a score for waitress. Plus. Gold star for you. <laughs> but yeah, what you what you were mentioning before about um what baking can do. I love the twinkle, or should I say sprinkle, in um Pottermer Pie of that song. I think that's so brilliant. And there's little pieces of it throughout the whole show. It's so it's genius. I love it. I love it. Here's our last listener question. Are you ready? Oh, yeah. What's your favorite line in the show? (laughs) Yeah. Um, My personal favorite, I can't remember the exact line, but when Jenna threatens to run Earl over with her car. Is that what it is? 
Or she's like, you stay, if you ever come near us again, she's, she's either oh, going to run him over some, with yes. her car or beat him yes, with a bat or something. something. And I'm like, yes! It's kind of, it's, yeah, it's kind of like that moment in Beautiful when Carol King is like, the girls deserve better and you know what, so, so do I. I. And it like, that's what that is in this show for me. The whole audience stops and it's like, do we cheer? Yes, we should cheer because that's awesome. Um, but there's so many funny little one-liners. Honestly, anything Dawn says, I'm ready to like oh. pee myself laughing. I relate yes. to Dawn on a spiritual level. Like, she gets me. They're um, brilliant. They're all the women. They're all brilliant. And all of the lines are brilliant. Yes. And I also just kind of like, I like Jenna's kind of dry humor throughout it because that's kind of like my sense of humor in a way. And just, yeah, I like a lot of the funny lines, but I think that, you know, I hope you find somebody who wants to hold you for 20 minutes straight. I think that's probably my favorite line in the show um, on an emotional level, because isn't that what we all want, especially in COVID times? (laughs) It's like, we're going to have to make that 20 years by the time we get out of this, but okay. (laughs) So true. Uh, What's your favorite line? Oh my gosh. So this is like totally a contradiction of what I said earlier about like the relationship between Jenna and Palmer. But my favorite line is probably thanks for taking me to the moon, moon pie. That whole like line thing with the moon pie. I think oh it's my so God. cute. I actually like that I line can't. because it's not like I love it. I love you or anything. It's just kind of like, no. thanks for taking like, thank you. It's a genuine thank you because they realize that yeah. what they had for each other Jenna realizes that it helped her grow as a human and helped get her through a hard time in her life. I don't know. I think that's sweet. I like it. (laughs) So to conclude, we just want to say that we love the show. We also want to take a moment to send love to Adrienne Shelley. We will have her foundation, the Adrienne Shelley Foundation, linked with the episode for you to check out and to make a donation if you can. This episode, we also mentioned Broadway performer Nick Cordero, who... Uh, passed away last year uh, due to complications of COVID-19. And we would like to take a moment to honor him with this episode and a little dedication. We think of uh, his wife and his son Elvis every day and uh, are sending lots of good vibes their way and love and all of the things. Um, So please, that being said, still social distance, still wear a mask, do all of those things to keep the people around you safe because they are somebody's human. We also want to take a second to send some love out to Gwen, who is one of our Patreon subscribers. Thank you so much for being you, Gwen, and thank you for supporting us. It means the absolute world. Aw, thanks, Gwen! As always, I'm Chrissy. You can find me at BreakAlegBlog.com. I'm Jocelyn, and you can find me at bothsidesofthecurtain.com. And together we're Breaking Breaking the the Curtain, curtain. and you can find us on social media. Stay safe and remember that you are powerful. Own your power, my babies. Bye. Bye!